This episode is made possible by our friends at Bold, Shopify's largest app developer. They have some amazing apps that do cool stuff on your Shopify store, like allow you to sell subscriptions, memberships with exclusive site access, upsell offers, wholesale pricing, daily deals, loyalty points, product bundles, and so much more. And good news, they have an offer for our listeners to get any of their apps free for two months by going to e-commerce-bootcamp.com slash bold. Hello and welcome to this episode of the unofficial Shopify podcast. If you don't know me, and I hope you do by now, I mean, we're, I think we're on episode 50. I'm Kurt Elster, Shopify expert, author of e-commerce bootcamp, and today, cross-stitch enthusiast. And we're talking with Spencer Bean and Lizzie Dipchinski of Stitch People, and that's stitchpeople.com. And they're Shopify store owners. Guys, thank you for joining us. Hey, thanks for having us, Hi, Kurt. thank you. My pleasure. So um, let's start with what is Stitch People? Well, <laughs> Stitch People is a company that we run, and uh, what it is is we we started out with uh, designing and stitching cross-stitch family portraits in sort of a contemporary way. We also sell pattern books, cross-stitch pattern books, so that you also can make your own cross-stitch family portraits. So it's a contemporary cross-stitch company that focuses on family portraits. So talk about like, man, that is such a, a niche thing. You know, I would, I would assume that cross-stitching itself um, is niche, but I'm always encouraging people, you know, if you want to be, the trick to marketing is to be relevant. And one of the ways to the shortcut, the cheat to relevancy is to be very niche, to have a very narrow focus. And it sounds like you really nailed it in that you're doing, you know, cr find cross-stitch people, you know, where their hobby is cross-stitch and then give them you know, this very narrow segment of that. Um, but the fear people have, you know, it, you've done a great job with it, but the fear and the pushback I get when I suggest that is everyone says, oh, well, but won't I make less money because I don't have, you know, I've alienated all these other customers? And what would you, and what's your take on that? Has it, in, uh, do you feel any way inhibited or limited? Not at all. Uh, no. In fact, it's really empowering to have such a specific niche because, and and we have kicked around um, kind of expanding the product to be more than just cross-stitch family portraits. Uh, but at this point, it uh, it simplifies things for us. We have one thing to do and we're good at it. And so we do that one thing. Uh, and people know us for that one thing. It helps us provide better support. Uh, it helps people solidify in their minds what Stitch People is about. Uh, it's an easier kind of snippet to say, oh, Stitch People does custom cross-stitch family portraits. I could not have said any of that better myself. <laughs> I agree with all of it, but you did stumble upon another objection that people have to niching down. Um, I couldn't, like, if we had scripted this, I could not have done this better. <laughs> it's such, like, a great, and it wasn't my intention to even talk about this, but we're, like, really getting into to picking a niche and the objections people have to niching down, which I love. This is, like, one of my, my uh, you know, pet things is, is oh, yeah. you know, yeah, specialize, fun. niche down. Um, but you said, you know, you become an expert at it because it's, you're great at this one thing. Well, then the pushback I get is, well, I'll get bored. Do you, do you find that to be the case? <laughs> Not at all. Um, I think once you start feeling bored, which I think is bound to happen at some point, you know, if you only have one product or whatever, then you get to start thinking, um, okay, what else can I do within this boundary that we've set? Um, I, I've come to really understand the whole 
idea of creativity loves constraints. Um, especially within cross stitch itself, you're really only utilizing one embroidery stitch, um, that X shape. And the amazing things you can do with that alone is, is quite incredible. And it's sort of similar with the business, um, with the business model of really having this specific niche. Um, it's, it's, it demands creativity to be able to expand product lines, to be able to, um, design, to be able to, uh, grow a business, but limit yourself to one specific thing. And it, it's actually become quite a bit of fun. Uh, at first, we were just selling completed portraits hand-stitched by me. Um, and then we thought, okay, what else can we do with this? Well, now we have a book of patterns so that other people can do that. And that's led to a really thriving um, community on Facebook of people who love doing this and love putting this together. And that's led to another pattern book because a lot of people um, – who've enjoyed doing this are kind of that homesteader, uh, rural living, and they've got uh, farm animals. And that was our second book, was a, a pattern book of farm animals. And so now it's really just led one thing to another, and it, it actually keeps getting more and more interesting because of the limits it presents. I th No, that's a, an absolutely great and succinct way to describe it and really illustrate what happens when you niche down in something. Mm -hmm. I liken it to that, um, I think, you know, Malcolm uh, Gladwell's 10,000 hours where when you niche down, you're becoming so well acquainted and so experienced inside, um, you know, this one particular thing that you discover new avenues, things you never even thought of, like would have never conceived of to do. You know, when you have like a very general niche, like no niche at all, you know, and very generalist positioning, you're really, you know, your your experience is, you know, a, a mile wide and an inch deep. Whereas mm -hmm. with a niche, you know, you've got this very narrow, very narrow audience, but very quickly you discover like how deep it goes and just the endless possibilities once you're really familiar with it. And it sounds totally. like that's what happened with you. You, know, you stick with it and you keep discovering like new angles and new interesting mm -hmm. things. And then they're easy to sell because you already have that audience. Um, and in your case, you have a community. Tell me about that community. Um, I'll let Spencer take that one. Sure. Uh, we, we recently read Seth Godin's book, Tribes, um, okay. which is a great read uh, if you're looking to try to kind of build a community around a brand or a product. And uh, one thing that really stuck out is just the fact that uh, once you get people surrounding a brand, uh, they can become your evangelists and your ambassadors. And you, you talk about this in your e-commerce um, book, uh, that you can turn customers into advocates for your brand. Uh, but they need an outlet to do that. And so we had been kicking this around a lot and we, we have had a lot of vertical communication with our members where we will send out a newsletter to the list. Uh, but we really wanted to enable horizontal communication between members. So we created a private Facebook group where we invited people who have purchased the book to join. Uh, and that's at about 650 members right now. And every day people are posting projects that they've completed, projects that they're working on, asking questions. Uh, it's really cool to see even people posting uh, from like Joanne Fabrics and saying, hey, I'm at the store right now. I don't have my Stitch People book with me. Can anyone give me the uh, the color suggestions that Lizzie has for Caucasian skin tones or for hmm. denim jeans? And someone will jump on and say, oh, here they are. Uh, and we had nothing to do with that interaction, but they were able to kind of, you know, do that horizontal communication and uh, strengthen the brand themselves without us being involved at all. 
That's amazing. So I totally selfishly, you know, one of the things I want to do, um, but with, with, uh, e-commerce bootcamp as a product is do, you know, is build a community around it where people could talk, um, maybe like a mastermind of sorts. Yeah. And the, you know, the, the problem I wrestle with is twofold. One is, you know, what's the right channel? So, and I think at this point, the, probably the two best channels, if you want to build a a community would probably be either a Facebook group because yeah, you don't own it because it's on Facebook, but at the same time, you know, you've already got this platform that everyone's already mm-hmm. on and everyone already has access to across all devices. So I love Facebook for that. You know, it keeps people involved. Um, I think the other channel, you know, depending on your community that might work, if you were considering something like this is Slack. Um, mm-hmm. But not not everybody, like techie folk are in Slack. I don't know that, you know, it has like, is it, there's no way it has the reach that Facebook does. There, there's um, no, and especially for our audience. I mean, we we, right. we span everyone from like 65 year old retired people to like you know 20 year old brand new cross stitchers, and uh, some people even have a hard time with Facebook. So mm-hmm. Slack, Slack. For, for, I mean, it for you, I think much, Slack yeah. would be awesome because I mean, I would definitely join a Slack channel, uh, you know, to talk about your book and to talk about those concepts. Oh, we got all right. We got one vote for a Slack channel. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, and then the second part of it is, you know, what's the number? You said you have 600 people and it's like now it's thriving. What's the number where you have critical mass? Like where's what's the minimum number of people you need before you can say, okay, let's start a community with these folks? We sort of ran like a beta of it. Um, we were able to narrow down sort of our most interested uh, audience members, I guess, um, through stats um, from our newsletter and through stats from Shopify about so we, we figured so you, out who you had did bought something our clever. You segmented your V. We'll call them your VIP customers. Yeah, you yeah, segmented basically. that top, say twenty percent mm-hmm. um, yeah, at most. Who was buying our products? Who was reading the newsletter? Who was sharing our stuff on Facebook? Who was clicking on links in the newsletter? Exactly. And we invited those people. I think it was maybe 200 people we invited to be a part of the Facebook group just to sort of test run. And and we we told them this was an exclusive thing. We told them what we were hoping to accomplish with the Facebook group. And it was a totally secret group on Facebook. It wasn't searchable. And we invited them individually. And that started off some really cool conversations, some really cool ideas, a lot of sharing, a lot of that kind of thing. Um, and when we saw that that worked, we thought, okay, well, let's, let's let the cat out of the bag a little bit. And even to this point, we... We actually haven't made it completely public. We haven't released a newsletter about it or put it on our Facebook, um, like our product page that we have thousands of likes on. We haven't posted it anywhere. Um, we just sort of, when when people write into our um, email to get help or whatever, and they say, oh, I, you know, I wish I knew someone else who did this, and I would love to see what other people have done. We say, oh, well, funny you should ask. We have this Facebook group. You know, please search for it and and ask to be invited and we'd love to have you join. And so we're kind of planting these seeds of of people who are invested and involved. And that is a, I don't know, I I feel like I'm rambling now, but I feel like that's been really effective as far as quality control goes, because these are the people who are most invested and most interested in it. Um, But it's also helped create more quality fans as well, because the people who were less involved before have now seen what's possible with these products and all the ideas that people have, and it's gotten them more excited about it too. So one question we have is how we're going to continue to grow the group and what's the best, most effective way to do that. But um, I guess that's a question that has yet to be answered. But at this point, um, it's just been fun to kind of grow it in stages and see, like you were saying, look for that critical mass of of success with this group. Um, So the question that, like, do you have to do 
I mean, that's very clever the way you've done it. Um, do you have to do anything to uh, manage or foster the community? Uh, yes and no. Um, I, we, we, Spencer and I, and actually my, my mom takes care of all our shipping and packaging, and she's actually pretty um, involved in the Facebook group as well, and everybody loves, loves to see that. Our last name is pretty unique, and so people love to see another Debchinsky in on the group. Um, so I would say between the three of us, um, especially Spencer does a lot with the community, um, we'll, we'll post topics and pose questions and get threads going, but generally speaking, it's, it's just sort of a, I almost think of it like treading water. Like we're all just having this big pool party and there's nothing else that we really need to do. It just sort of does itself and we just get to hang out and like things that we like and ask questions and say, great job. It's amazing. It be, it's amazing what people come up with, the beautiful, beautiful portraits people have created. And so, I mean, it's genuinely interesting and fun for us to see this grow and see what people do with it. So it's fun to just hit like and write comments and say, this is awesome. Great job. And, and people will submit their own patterns that they've made and I'll put them on. We have an extras page online for people who've purchased the book. It's extra patterns. And, you know, this pattern was created by so-and-so and it just, it really is just growing itself. It's very cool. Maintenance is very little. Every once in a while we have someone, um, and the reason that we, that we started off with kind of those VIPs is that we really wanted to, to test the waters and, and beta test things. And, some questions have come up recently, like someone was posting um, pictures of non-portrait-related cross-stitch projects. So still within the realm of cross-stitch. Beautiful cross-stitch works. Beautiful, beautiful cross-stitch works, but just not family portraits. And someone piped up and said, hey, um, so I'm a, I'm a member of several other cross-stitch groups on Facebook. Can we just keep this one to people? Stitch people. Stitch people, like family you keep portraits. it on topic. Yep. Yeah. Uh, and so we thought... That's a great question. And we kind of came back to our, our niche philosophy of, well, what are we good at? What do we want to do? And yes, cross-stitch is within our yeah. realm. And what do people expect from us? And what do people expect? And so we kind of, we, we made a compromise and we said, well, let's call Friday Freestyle Friday, where you can post in a single thread. So it's kind of contained, but you can post in a single thread all of your non- Stitch people. Non-family related projects. And then throughout the rest of the week, it's just Stitch People related and people were thrilled at that compromise. Hmm. Yeah, see, that's the kind of thing like with um, managing and maintaining a community, like you need to – there's a lot of really you know oddball questions that people don't realize mm -hmm. before they've had to manage a community like this. Um, and that, you know, you want people – you know, want everyone to feel accepted and friendly but have very clear – boundaries and guidelines as to this is what's okay to post um and what's okay to post you know when in your case and that's a very good way to compromise uh, yeah. but until you've tried to manage a community i don't think people realize like the kind the level of intricacy that goes into it not at all and and my my advice to someone starting a community like that is to simply be upfront and honest with your community i mean don't try to sweep things under the rug like just be open and transparent like we started a thread and we said what do you guys want to see like what's I mean, here are our here are our ideas for what we think the, the community should be. Do you guys agree? Do you disagree? And we had some people who said, oh, you know, I'd, I'd like to see cross-stitch all the time, whether it's family portraits or not. Uh, but for those people, we said, we hear you. Um, and here are some other groups on, on Facebook that you can join for more general cross-stitch. Uh, but based on the consensus, um, people, people kind of chose what they wanted to, to see. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And if you want to talk like, you know, tying – 
some people may think, you know, oh, okay, that's great. They built a community, but what's the value in that? Well, the values you've created, I mean, you have 600 people where you're are absolutely top of mind. You've got these very engaged, you know, someone who's involved in this, this group. And a good example was you had said someone was posting from Joanne Fabrics. Well, people, I have been in Joanne Fabrics with my wife. People strike up conversations with strangers in Joanne Fabrics. And absolutely, I think you're going to see, um, you know, like word of mouth network effects occur. Totally. Have you seen that? Oh, definitely. Um, a lot of, especially from Christmas, we had, we were expecting a big slump after Christmas because that's what most e-commerce, uh, you know, runs into, but we actually saw a bit of a bump because so many people had made cross-stitch portraits for friends and family. And once those gifts were given, a bunch of new people were exposed to stitch people. And we had a bunch of new sales for the book Interesting. Uh, simply from that word of mouth. Because they said, you know, they received the gift. They said, how did you, this is amazing. How did you do yeah. it? And the person said, well, I got this book and, exactly. and that's how it happened. Yep. Yeah. And what's interesting is when we in the the pre the pre interview call, um, you had said we're not good at marketing, and I disagree. I think like if you can get the, <laughs> no, if you can, the hardest thing to do is to get word of mouth, is to get those, is to turn people into brand evangelists. You know, and that's why an e commerce bootcamp that's like the last link in the chain that we describe yep. yeah. of the relationship is you know building brand evangelists, and that comes after even having repeat customers. Because it extends, like, not only are you really maximizing lifetime value for you and the customer, but then, you know, they're going around and they're putting their reputation on the line and recommending you to people. Like, it's powerful and crazy. Um, but, you know, I would, I would disagree that you're bad at marketing. I would say you're, you're maybe unintentionally phenomenal at it. Um, (laughs) I think, but tell, so, but tell me why you thought you were bad at marketing. Well, so, I mean, my background is, Technology. I studied information systems, and so I had a little bit of marketing training. But uh, when I came out of college, I started working as a product manager for a startup uh, in Provo. And Lizzie did. I have a music degree, so <laughs> that's helpful. <laughs> <laughs> She's got a music degree and ended up working as a graphic designer for another startup in Provo. Um, and so neither of us kind of had any marketing training, and so uh, it's really been a self-taught journey up until now. I mean, it's every, every day is is a is a learning process for us. Uh, and we've just kind of taken the approach of if we were the customers, what, how would we want to be treated? Yeah. What would we want to see if we were potential customers? What, what kinds of questions would we have? Um, I think one thing just coming at it from an angle of like, if we were to try and give some tips or whatever, like thinking about, I think what, if there's, if there's been marketing success, it's sort of like Spencer said with the community, we just try really hard to just be honest. Um, we're trying not try to not be pretentious. Um, we don't want people to ever have a bad experience with us. Um, I think, I think it really helps if your intent is, is there, if you're excited about what you're doing and if you're just honest with your audience, I think people respect that and that that'll get, that's gotten us pretty far. I think, uh, both Spencer and I don't feel like we're good at marketing because we're not particularly well trained in it, um, nor are we particularly well trained or polished in copywriting or you know that whole method of writing. You snag them in, and everybody's interested in your words and whatever. My newsletters are pretty clunky, but they're honest, and it's um, I think it's really helpful. Just people feeling like they get to know you as a person, um, 
helps them feel connected to the to, to the person behind the brand, which helps them feel connected to the brand, which helps them feel connected to their product. Um, and I think that that has gotten us pretty far. Oh, that's no, you guys are a happy accident. <laughs> your inexperience in marketing is is absolutely like one of your greatest assets. And it's because so many people, when they, you know, they think they've got an idea of marketing, they try and spew this, this awful, inauthentic garbage. I mean, there's sure. no other way to describe it. And I found, you know, you're describing what you do and I'm just nodding along. It's like, wow, this is really great. Most people send newsletters. They put together this awful polished piece of shit. There is no other way to say it. It's <laughs> yeah. like this fancy HTML newsletter that everyone just deletes straight away. What you're doing is adding authenticity. You know, you're writing things, you know, you're saying, well, I don't have marketing experience. I don't have copywriting experience. So you're writing in your own voice. And on top of it, you're passionate, enthusiastic, and engaged about your niche. And that's what makes it work. You know, the the kinds of people where, you know, they struggle with e-commerce is they just want to make money. They're just looking for like, is this a niche I can make money with? Okay, let's do that. But they're not invested in it. They don't get it. They can't speak to it. And when you're in that position, it's not going to work. Whereas you absolutely, like, you get the people, you get the community, um, and you, you understand everything about it, and you're just speaking as yourself. And that's what people relate to is, you know, it's a relationship. People don't want relationships with brands. They want relationships with other people. Um, and then another thing you said is, well, we're just, you know, we're, we're honest. No, you're also empathetic. And it's having that, that, and, well, you're, you're honest. Um, and you also, uh, another great line that you said, what was it? Um, oh, um, God, you're building a relationship. Yeah, people want those open, mm-hmm. you know, open, honest communication that builds a relationship between two people. Yeah. That's what works for these small brands. And totally. that's what's so amazing about, um, you know, the internet and Shopify is it brings people together in this way. Yeah. Spencer even moved us from a, um, a newsletter platform. We, we had these beautiful polished, the, the content was still pretty casual and informal, but, you know, we had headers and pictures and beautiful things. And Spencer moved us to um, kind of just basic text email newsletters and that we've had a lot more success with that. Yeah. And that works because when you Mm -hmm. said like, not only is it easier for you to do for you to send, it's easier for the person to digest. And if I was sending a letter to, you know, a friend or a family member, would I put together an HTML newsletter? Of course not. (laughs) But if I send like, I would just send them plain text and be done and say what I wanted to say. Well, when you take that to your brand, like that people can relate to that. Um, yeah, no, I, you're doing a phenomenal job. You, through experience, you are now great experienced marketers. I have branded you as such. You can no longer claim you're bad at marketing. <laughs> <laughs> Congratulations. We are Kurt, Kurt approved. You Kurt. have graduated from the Kurt Elster School of Marketing. Um, <laughs> the Okay, so we're, we're closing in on the end. Um, there's one last thing I wanted to touch on. I believe you're the first person uh, we've talked to on the podcast who sells digital goods on Shopify. Um, and one of the things I, you know, well, tell me about it. Tell me about, you know, selling, uh, eBooks and digital products on Shopify. What do you like about it? Uh, what we like about it is that the costs are extremely low. Uh, when we're (laughs) selling or close to zero, it's like close to zero. I mean, I think we pay, we use send owl as our, uh, digital delivery app. Okay. Uh, and that costs us like $9 a month. And so when someone buys an eBook, we sell an eBook for $39, uh, and they buy it, and it's instantly fulfilled, and they get a link to download it, and we're done. Yeah, uh, no, we don't have the costs of shipping the book. We don't have the costs of printing the book. Uh, it's just, it's so slick. And it and it reaches a wider audience. Some people are really, really 
into their digital devices and they don't want a big clunky book, they want to be able to pull up a pattern on their iPad. Or we have international customers who don't want to pay extraordinary amounts for shipping and so they can have the ebook and that saves them a little money there. And so it just helps us reach more people, basically. Yeah. No, I and it keeps the cost down. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm on board with that. The joy of um of digital goods is this you know, if you wanted to, you could build it as um almost a completely like 99% hands-off passive income stream. Um, it's once you like beyond creating the initial content and marketing it, it's almost, you know, hundred percent profit. And then um, for the customer, it's instant gratification. Like I don't have to wait. I don't even have to wait for the book to ship. I click buy and 60 seconds later it's on my Kindle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's great. So I would encourage more people to look for those, those opportunities to offer, um, you know, info products, uh, digital goods, you know, that stuff, because it's such a great, and you don't have, you know, it doesn't have to be your entire business, um, but just having those as an option can really add a lot of profit to your bottom line. um, And like that, that for the customer, it's that instant um, gratification that you just can't do. Totally. And what's great, just as a, as an aside is, you know, if ever we have someone whose book is held up in shipping and, and, you know, for whatever reason, the post office has held it an extra week and it's not getting there, it's a really great way to be able to say, you know what, I've sent you a free ebook so that you can get started. Um, it's, it's a really great, just as a, as a business owner, it's a really great, um, option to have sort of as a handout, a, a perk, a benefit, because again, the costs are, are nothing. Um, it exists already. And so if we can send somebody a link to a book that they've already bought and it's just a, a digital copy, they're thrilled and um, it keeps keeps people engaged and happy and it's a really great option to have. Well, then the other, um, I totally forgot about one of the, the last amazing part of, of um, digital goods is updates. You know, if I have to update a printed book, I <laughs> that's a problem. Whereas if yep. I'm like, oh, well, we updated this ebook, boom, it just shows up. Yeah. Which is very cool. Very okay. convenient. <laughs> yeah. No, it is wonderful for everybody involved. And again, like going back to that, you know, that empathy that everything's a human relationship, you know, everything has to be a two-way street. And that's the advantage to like, yeah, ebooks are, you know, pure profit for the person selling it almost. But it's also, it's that instant gratification. It's that convenience for the customer. Everything's got to be a two-way street. Yep. So um, closing thoughts, you know, what's what's one tip you would have for um, another Shopify store owner or one thing you know, oftentimes a good a good tip comes out of what's one thing you wish you had done differently, knowing what you know now. One thing I wish I had known before we started all this is that you don't have to be perfect or professional at everything. Um, oh, had I, I known, had I known that I could just send out plain text emails in a newsletter instead of fancy HTML newsletters, that would have saved me a lot of time because I took photos for those and I made banners for those and I came up with content and put columns in there and, you know, like it, it would have just saved a lot of time and headache if I had known that plain text emails would have been just as effective. I think there was, for some reason, there's this standard that, well, when you start an online business, it has to be a certain way and you have to blog every day and you have to send out a newsletter twice a week and you have to do things this way and that way. And and those expectations aren't there. And that's not going to be the way it works for every business. And that's okay. And um, I, I just sort of wish I had, somebody had given me permission almost to just do things our way to start with instead of feeling like we had to fit within this e-commerce mold that doesn't actually exist <laughs> no that's such it it is phenomenal advice i have so many i see a lot of people um who are like i think some people are 
use this as an excuse where they're scared to launch their store. So they've got like it's behind a password or like I'll have people who freak out because like the password's gone. They're like, I'll put the password up. I'm like, man, if you think that's a big deal, like I got bad news because no one cares. Like exactly. two people have visited your site in a week, me and you. You know, if it was that, if like people were just hammering your password protected at site, that's a great problem to have. But I think, you know, people are – look at, you know, they've been exposed to marketing from, you know, these Fortune 100 brands. You know, they're getting emails from Amazon and Walmart and Target and Nordstrom's and they try and replicate that. And it's like, no, no, no. Those brands have to act like that because they're serving a global audience. Mm-hmm. You are trying to find your tribe. So just be yourself and you'll make your life so much easier. Not only is it easier to produce the content, but it's going to be more effective. And giving your – but, I, you know, to your point – a lot of people are scared to do it and they need someone, you know, they need to give themselves permission, but often need someone to tell them, hey, it's okay to do it that way. And I find yeah. like often that's a lot of, um, in, well, at least in my like the strategic part of my consulting with Shopify store owners is this, you know, someone says, hey, I've got this, this idea and I want to try this, that and the other thing. And I just tell them like, yeah, you could do that. And they're like, wow, that's such great advice. Thank you. And I'm like, no, no, <laughs> all I did was give you permission to do it. It was your idea. <laughs> yep. But no, yeah. that is. Great advice. I agree with all of it. Spence, do you have any? Um, I, to piggyback off of that, uh, I, when we first started, we were really focused on the brand. Like we wanted to build Stitch People up as a brand. Uh, and so we focused on Stitch People. Uh, and then we made kind of a conscious decision to put Lizzie as the face of Stitch People. So again, I mean, you're talking about these global brands, Nordstrom, Walmart. There's not a face behind those, but we really wanted to have a, a personal touch to every stitch people interaction. And so people know Lizzie by name. And I wish that we had made that switch sooner uh, just because that that was when uh, brand engagement, I think, really took off. Uh, it helped people know who was behind it. Uh, it helped people know what stitch people was about. And it helped people put uh, a face to a name. I wish I wish every person who signed up for Shopify had to watch a video of you telling them that because every like when I do new store setups for people, all of them, I try to I explain it to them and I try to include like their picture and a letter from them and make it very personal. And then when they ask for revisions, guaranteed every single time they strip all of that out and they make it totally impersonal and boring. And I want to pass out reading it. Yeah. And it's like just I don't know why people are so scared to put their face and name on things. Like no one cares about your brand. They want to talk to a person. You know, and right. I had the same ex- – I did the same thing. I get it. You know, like with just selling our professional services, I didn't have, you know, my name on anything. The moment I just started signing my name to stuff, suddenly it became easier to sell because they're like, oh, I, I know you. I get you. You're a person. I know who I'm going to talk to. Totally. Yeah. yeah I, uh, Makes a big difference. <laughs> it's one of those things that's like – there's a handful of things that I wish everyone would would know and accept. And I think one is, you know, be authentic be passionate, be yourself. Like, and your life is going to be easier and, and more fun. If real you just authenticity do those things. and not like, not, not that forced. Not Instagram yeah. authentic. <laughs> <laughs> we joke that Instagram authentic, that's, it's, that's not very authentic. <laughs> yeah. The, uh, or yeah, like Being Facebook, you're authentic. looking at uh, a highlight reel of everybody's right. life. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Well, this actually, you know, going into these episodes, I never know what, you know, how it's going to turn out, what I'm going to get. This was truly phenomenal. I think there are so many great lessons in here. You know, I found myself just kind of nodding, nodding along the whole time. Um, so thank you guys. This is generally inspirational and great advice all the way through. Hey, great to talk to you, Kurt. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, lots of fun. 
So to our listeners, however this audio made it into your ears, you could find out more about it at unofficialshopifypodcast.com. And if you'd like to be notified whenever a new episode goes live, you could sign up for my newsletter at kurtelster.com, and I'll shoot you an email whenever we post a new episode. Thanks, everybody. We'll be back next week. Our program was produced today by Paul Rita. The unofficial Shopify podcast is distributed by EtherCycle LLC. We'll be back next week with more value bombs for Shopify store owners. If you're looking for more high quality and actionable advice on learning the business of e-commerce, join thousands of other Shopify store owners on our totally free newsletter at eCommerce Bootcamp. That's eCommerce-Bootcamp.com.